It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from. A long time ago, Ziggy and I were what you would call jokers. We told jokes, one-liners, just just to get giggles. One day we told a joke to this guy who, who liked talking about film. And he talked for hours about film. He talked for long periods of time about how much he liked film. And we thought, we wanted that. I guess we overcorrected. Because now our podcasts are three hours long. If you haven't figured it out yet, you're talk- listening to You Watched It Wrong. This is Wade. And this is Siggy. And this is the podcast where one of us picks a movie to talk about because we want to know what the other one thinks about it and uh, go on for three hours about it. See if they watched it differently than how we watched it. And then we don't tell them that they watched it wrong. But maybe you did. So you'll find out. And this episode, Siggy has selected Nobody. The Bob Odenkirk actioner released earlier this year that was delayed by COVID and finally released as pandemic restrictions were lifting to become the number one movie in the uh, country, though not tons of competition, but still an achievement. When the trailer for Nobody first dropped, Siggy immediately called or emailed me and said, I just, this has to be a selection for our show. And uh, I started watching the trailer and then halfway through, I stopped it because I had to, I, I didn't want to know anymore. That was me that said that. That was, yeah, that was you're, you're still in my voice there. Yeah. And then I immediately went to watch the trailer and I did not do that. <laughs> I watched the whole trailer because I couldn't not. And then you went and looked at the poster and then you looked and at then the And then I went and looked at the poster, poster. and yeah. then I went and did research on every, yeah, whatever. Like that. So, uh, so now we're here. And we're let's let's talk about nobody. But before we go on that particular bus ride, let's play track marks. Now, track marks, uh, as you all well know, because I know everyone plays this at home. Uh, this is the game where you where one of us reads off a list to the other person of CD track titles from a motion picture soundtrack. Now, this is not the songs. This is the score. So the CD that's released. Each track listing has a name for the segment of score that you're listening to. Yeah, right. And those names might be clues as to what movie they're the score to. Today, it's Siggy reading for me. So Siggy's going to read to me a series of track listings. And using context clues and deductive reasoning, I'm going to try to determine what this, what this is the sound, what movie is this the soundtrack for? I'm exhausted. (laughs) It's all very clear. It's all very It's all very clear. I'm going to guess what movie it is based on these things he's going to read. Okay. All right. (laughs) Nobody was my selection, so the uh, score selection is mine as well. Now, Wade is, uh, if anyone's just joining us, Wade is kind of a savant at this. Um, Not speaking. Much better than I am. Uh, but Wade, I'm I'm going to go ahead and rate this as very high degree of difficulty. Okay. So I'm not even putting a par on this one. 
Oh, I was like, if wow. you can Mr. get Parr this one, not gonna do that. Okay. if you can get this one, I'm impressed. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm just going to read through these in order. So this is order on oh. the score may indicate order of events in the movie. Okay. Okay. All right. Track one's main title. It's a freebie. <laughs> okay. First phone call. Phone booth. Second phone call. No. Hole in shoe. Drive-by shooting. Bus stop. MacArthur Park. Okay, now you're getting some geography in here. Miracle Mile is the I was next track. say speed, but... Holy to shoot. Surplus Store. <sighs> Guess off, there's the inhale. Offbeat. <laughs> okay. Is that uh, the is that the um uh, Anthony Dancing. Edwards? No, no, Police. offbeat is the Judge Re Judge Reinhold uh Oh yeah, shop, oh, right, uh, where he gets yeah. beat up. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic right. movie. Uh two surplus oh. door. Two Police two car sting. It sounds like offbeat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fitting room. Oh my gosh, come on, Wade. Back room. That's not going to help much. Other side of the moon. Under construction. Wait, wait, wait. First phone call, second phone call. This is an order. Yeah. Is this, wait, is this an order? Is the, is the listing on the soundtrack the same as the chronological through the movie? I believe so. Okay. So there's For, uh, uh, overall, definitely yes. And as far as I know, track by track, that's true. I, I don't know why it would. So be. first phone call, second phone call. I bet those are switched. Uh, first phone call, <laughs> second phone call. Hole in shoe. To the surplus store and fitting rooms. Okay, uh, these you missed. You skipped drive by yeah, shooting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, but I should know these. Um, drive by shooting. That might be okay. I'm keep okay. uh, I'm going back to, comes to mind, but I don't think it's colors. Golf course. <laughs> We're on track sixteen now, just so you know where we are. Mother's house. Wait, 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 wait. Oh no. Golf course. So run oh. Ronnie Run came into mind. Oh, oh wait, you no, said you said you said nobody was your selection and so you're doing this, so it's probably tied to Caretakers family till the death do us part. Beth kicks gun. Oh. Okay. And title of film, and so I will not say it. Still a That's cop. And titles. And then I don't know what these are doing after end titles, but these happened before the end titles. I'm the bad guy. Falling down? Yes. <laughs> Very good. If if you just said that one, that that's all I that's all I had to go by. Okay. But yeah, if you just said fall I'm the bad guy, but like falling down. 
Nice. Oh, wow. That took, oh, man, that drove me insane. Yeah, surplus store. Yeah. I think we had to get in the bonus tracks there. So it was like overtime. <laughs> yeah. There's no a zero, um, zero tie. There's no music in the fast food, in the like Burger King scene or whatever, is there? Yeah, you, you wow. only had your only uh, remaining tracks were uh, the title again, falling down, still a cop, revised, and then Wild Pulse Guitar One, Wild Pulse Guitar Two, and Wild Pulse Guitar Three. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna. Help. Yeah, I was, I was lost. I was completely lost. If 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 I, I'm surprised, one of those titles isn't named Defense. Because oh, Robert yeah, Duvall right. yells, defense! Right, well, it's, it's his license yeah. plate. Yeah, yeah, it's his license plate. Okay. Oh, wow. That, that, had, me, that, had, me, that had me on edge. <laughs> I, 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 I'm still impressed. I knew, I knew that was like the last Hail Mary was I'm the bad guy. Like, that was the last. Yeah, that's, it just gave me a gimme there at the end because, yeah. A gimme for you. It wouldn't have been for me. And I've <sighs> seen that movie three times. So I'm That was gonna... a good one. That was a good one, dude. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I, I, <laughs> I was kind of going like, surplus store. I see I see Austin Pendleton from Offbeat. I can't shake it. Fitting room. <laughs> I see Gal Gadot from Keeping Up with the Joneses, and I'm like, I can't. Okay, no, that's not that one. <laughs> I, uh, I thought maybe just like the MacArthur Park to Miracle, but Speed that was a good. Well, I I, th- I saw you know when I golf you know course I really like need? it's all the places he walks to. You know, you, you know what I need to do. I've not seen Falling Down. I saw it before it was Nelly Resonant, and I haven't seen it since. So, like, Big Lebowski I saw before I came to L.A. Yeah. Falling Down I saw before I came to L.A. Miracle Mile I saw before I came to L.A. So I'm really kind of curious to, like, now go and see these kind of L.A. movies now that I've been a long-time resident. Right. Um, because, like, oh, that's, the, yeah. Because, like, you know, seeing the construction pipes, with the guy from uh, Joe Erie from the sting as the construction worker when Roger, when uh, uh, Michael Douglas fires his rocket launcher. I mean, none of that had the weight that just thinking about it now goes, Oh yeah, this is what it is all the time here. Wait, Robert um, Douglas fires a rocket launcher. Did I say Robert sting? Douglas? No, sorry. Michael Douglas fires a, his rocket launcher, like at the construction crew. Oh, I thought I thought you said the sting. I thought yeah, you were talking because, about the movie. Because when okay, the, the construction worker that he's talking to who said who says, Oh, we gotta delay and then Michael Douglas gets out of him that makes him say there's nothing wrong, they're just filling out their budget. That See, guy you haven't so you haven't guy's... seen this movie in thirty years and you remember this conversation <laughs> from that movie. Well, I remember that that was Joe Erie from The Sting, and I I, I always loved that character and, and an actor, and I don't see him in many things. So whenever he pops up, like in the Untouchables, where he's the guy, the accountant guy, they're trying I mean, to remembering Joe yeah. Erie is one thing, but remembering <laughs> that they're discussing the budget. <laughs> I don't remember a lot from that movie. From like it's a just... nineteen ninety one movie, like. Is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember much about the movie. I remember, but that is one thing I do remember. It stays with me. So yeah, we're just we're just filling <laughs> out our budget. <laughs> oh yeah, the construction budget. Oh yeah, wow. Well, how was falling down? Joe Take Erie note from of that. The Sting was in it. <laughs> it's nice to see him again. <laughs> oh man, I wish my memory worked like that. You get that nose at Drupal Joe's tonight? Um, I don't know about you, but I think now I need to take a quick break before we dip our straws into 
Nobody. Stay tuned. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. It's been a hell of a day. You can see that. Wait. In the intro. Yes. You talked about how I said that this was a must-see, that we must do this movie Nobody starring Bob Odenkirk mm -hmm. for You Watched It Wrong. You didn't say why I said this was a must. No, I didn't. Is it because I thought from the first half of the trailer like this was such an amazing movie? Maybe. It was interesting. But what was most interesting about it was that it was a Bob Odenkirk movie. <laughs> right. And you and I are both huge Bob Odenkirk fans. Huge. From Mr. Show. Um, I didn't. That was my introduction to him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've loved him since. And uh, and so it's like, oh, well, he gets a star in his own major motion picture. Major. I don't know. So like, well, we got to do a Bob Odenkirk movie. It's Bob Odenkirk. Got to. So I think we have to start there. Like that was my whole expectation coming mm -hmm. in is Bob Odenkirk movie. Going to see it. Say no more. Like he's beating people up on a bus. All I need to know. Like, OK, he's pissed off. Cool. <laughs> Uh, so what did you what what did you think of of Bob Odenkirk in this movie? I thought Bob Odenkirk was um, pretty exceptional and very believable in this movie, and I also know that that seems to be the reason for being for this movie to do a movie where we're, you're going to do a, a an action thriller, and it's Bob Odenkirk <laughs> as the lead, a, and, and and most importantly, a believable Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk uh, in his mid fifties. Bob Odenkirk in his mid fifties, like thirty pounds yeah. less than in his comedy sketch days. <laughs> and having said, I've never exercised a day in my life. I'm a comedy writer. Um, trained for I think he said three years before they shot the movie. Wow. Um, when he, he trained for like three years, and he meant so much to him that that this work. There's a, there's a magic to this movie, in the sense that. The movie doesn't ever air quote. Uh, you've got a comedian guy here doing these John Wick style action stuff. Well, because how many people know him as a comedian anymore? I mean, after Better Paul, Better Paul Call, after Saul, Doll. Yeah, after Better Call Saul and and Breaking Bad, they kind of see him as a dramatic actor. But and, and Bob Odenkirk pretty much said this himself on Conan's uh, podcast, Conan O'Brien's podcast. Conan needs a friend where he basically said all his dramatic parts kind of he takes glee in the fact that people who know him watch these and go, I can't believe this is Bob. <laughs> like, like they know him as the guy who won't stop being ridiculous. Right. Even myself, if I was ever pulled out of the movie, it was because I was waiting at any moment for him to bust into like an FF Woody Cook style voice. <laughs> Hello! But his kind of fake, his, 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 his air quote fake silly voice. Because you just expect that from him. I have the same problem watching Better Call Saul. And I think he knows that. <laughs> and then doubles down on 
trying to be proficient because he says I'm not really a dramatic I'm not a trained actor I'm not a dramatic actor but he does really solid work and that's part of the the glee that we as fans of his take I think <laughs> yeah so two things about Bob Odenkirk that just like completely knocked me over the head on Mr. Show it was one I just thought like watching him like next to David Cross especially like David Cross just like oozes talent right like David Cross is like mm -hmm. an athletic comedian. He just has like a natural, he can sing, he can do voices. He like, he does come off like a trained actor. Like he can just like switch emotions really yeah. quickly and like conjure tears and you can do all this stuff. Right. And then Bob Odenkirk mm -hmm. next to him just seems like to use a sports analogy. He's just like the linebacker who is not a great athlete, but is always in the right spot at the right time. Just like knows, like right. sniff out the play. <laughs> And knows where to be. Just like watching him is like yeah. he can't he can't do voices. He can't dis he can't sing. He's not really like convincing you with his acting, but every single tiny detail of what he's doing is exactly what's needed for the skit. Yes, right. And it's like yeah, and that's what he does here too. He does give exactly what this movie. Yeah, needs. and just like watching him, like you could just see like his IQ, his comedy IQ operate, like in. Yeah. in that show and he could he can be in any kind of sketch and he can serve any kind of comedy and he knows like just the little right choices to make to make it better to like lift it up get it over the top yeah he and jordan peele have that same yeah jordan ability. peele reminds yeah. me so much of bob odenkirk right yeah. especially next to uh keegan michael key uh keegan michael no keegan michael key keegan michael key keegan michael who, key, who shares who's the like david cross, cross ability like, keegan michael key is the comedic athlete like i can write i just like I have yeah. energy and physicality and I can go big. I can go small. And like Jordan Peele is always kind of small. <laughs> you know, he can go right. big, but like when he, the smaller he goes, like the, the more like above scalpel his comedy is and just kills. Yeah. Me. I mean, yeah. Like, like Jordan Peele's in the, uh, the continental that, that moment when Keegan <laughs> tells him you've been here forever, his, his expression and reaction is a symphony. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I think you said it best. It's a symphony of comedy that right there. And even Bob, Bob Odenkirk could do the same thing, even just a little thing of when he's doing his really terrible, like white, Barry White character. And he just goes, why do I have these these calendars if I'm not going to check them? I need a reminder to look at my reminder. And like everything is just exactly what it needs to be in perfection. And I, I always looked at Mr. Show and thought, David Cross is the is the better actor. He's like yeah, a, the thing. For sure. And Bob is a better performer. Yeah. That's how I characterized it. Yeah. But. Right. Everything Bob Odenkirk does is like a straight line to the audience. It's not like he's not internalizing yeah. anything. It's just like here. No, no. Yeah. Right. It's not. Yeah. Here's the thing that you need to look at right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, he He's more serving the story than trying to embody the or serving the, the mechanism of the the moment yeah. than embodying yeah. a, a persona. However, he has really, his his career, whether intentionally or not, has really positioned him in a place where he's had to go, okay, I need to, I need to now add this to my toolkit. And he's been getting steadily better to, you know, impressive degrees. Like he's, he's, he's What's so that same IQ operating? Me. Like he didn't start out as a comedian. Yeah. He started as a radio guy interviewing comedians. And he just like figured out what they did. Like he figured out how to be funny from interviewing comedians on his radio show. Right. In like downstate Illinois. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm just gonna move to Chicago right. and be a comedian. Cause I figured it out, you know? 
And so he's just done the same thing with dramatic acting. Exactly. Can I share you something with you uh, from the Conan podcast? Conan retold a story of him watching uh, Bob Odenkirk on stage just doing sketch and how he was so just enamored with what he could do. And he did a sketch where he said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, he brought a box out and he said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to, I have a, a bunch of props and costumes in this box and I'm just going to pull one out and I'm going to create a character for you. Uh, for every piece I pull out of the box, right? So he reaches in, he pulls out a baseball hat and he puts it on and he goes, hey there, picker, hey, throw me the old pickle, throw me the old pickle, I'm going to whack it in the next pile, the babe's going to be so jealous, come on, hey, come on, put it in the little pickle. And then he takes the hat off and he reaches into the box and it's another baseball hat. And he puts it on and goes, hey, I'm going to do the pickle, give me the old pickle, throw the pickle in here, we're going to do it today. And then he takes it off and he pulls, it's another baseball hat and he just keeps doing the same 1920s baseball character and then he picks up a um, fireman's hat and he doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and so he puts it down and reaches in and gets another baseball hat. He goes, ah, give me the pickle. Give me the pickle. <laughs> and I just like, I just, I love that really basic silliness that he just revels in. It's a, he's, 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 I, I love that story. It's a good one. So, like, so we talked about his comedy. We talked about his dramatic acting. What about him as an action hero? What about him, like, in fight scenes? Like, what were you, how were you reading him as a performer taking on four bigger guys? Okay, I, I will confess, before, quick tangent, before I saw the movie, I down, they released a Men's Health magazine, released some videos of Bob, of the Bob Odenkirk fight workout that he's been doing. Okay. He ho he hosted this thing with his trainer, and his trainer is the guy is one of the guys on the bus. His trainer is the guy that he knocks all the teeth out of. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, I have these great videos that I actually started doing the same kind of workout because they were easy; they could be done in the home without bothering my neighbors below. Bus station chin ups and, uh, is that part of it? Yeah, basically, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's the one thing I can't do. But it's a really great work, and he he was very from about how hard this was. For him, well, he was hard and easy at 55 years old to to do this, but you could tell his dedication to to treat it seriously. I, I I got this feeling from Bob to take it utterly seriously and be the best professional he could be at it was the joke, <laughs> and that's something and that's something I love. Now, I thought he was fantastic in the movie. There was actually other than I thought maybe his eyebrows were a bit too dark. There was no moment in the movie where I did. They penciled him in. Is that what you're? I remember once Bob, he said in an interview about playing a younger Jimmy McGill. He says, "Audience has been I have been very kind to suspend their disbelief that I am that age." <laughs> but he no, he pulls it off well. And like um, the thing in 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 this movie, he doesn't really have to. He's supposed to be about his age in his fifties, and. What I was really amazed at was that they never put him in it, didn't had him do something that we would go like, no, he, he can't do that. You know, it, it never seemed to be beyond his, uh, the ability of someone of his size and stature. You know, he wasn't lifting like 800 pound guys over his head or anything like that. You know, they didn't go superhuman with no. it. They kept it very focused. He was, I mean, he was taking a hell of a lot of punishment for a guy who, when he takes his but, shirt off, 
looks much more like <laughs> me than I expected. But that's the movies, though. Yeah. That is the well, movie. Well, not these it, days it, it most... isn't. No. You, you, action hero takes his shirt off. He has a six-pack. You know, you look oh, like oh, you've no, been no, training not... for more than three years. You know? that, yeah, then, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an insurance accountant. I'm very surprised no. to hear that he's been training for three years because seeing him bare-chested, he did not strike me that way. Well, I'm glad he wasn't muscle like Bob, Bob Odekirk, you know. What what I was saying was what what is what is standard for the movies is people taking uh, uh, superhuman amounts of punches and pain and still and not dying. Oh, that's sure. the movies. Yeah. So, um, you know that 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 we just go okay. I mean, like I mean the only <laughs> until you see something like you know Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where you're like. They keep saying geriatric Indiana Jones is like, and then he takes more punches than anyone <laughs> in the world could sustain. I do think there's something in this um, particular movie. I do think there's something more going on with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to yeah. that. I'll get to that later. So obviously this movie reveals itself to be there. I expected kind of an intention to kind of say, Hey, we're going to do death wish with Bob Odenkirk. And then do the fake out, and it be no. We're doing John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, right. Kind of did John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. Well, no, because if you had watched the trailer, they told you it's John Wick with Bob Odenkirk. So the so I kind of wonder what this movie would have been like if, um, if they had sold it as Death Wish with Bob Odenkirk and not shown any of that stuff in the trailer or marketing or anything, and then that moment where he drops bring gets back on the bus with the gun. You're like, okay, here's the Bernie gets moment. And then he drops it and says, I'm going to fuck you up. And then it then goes full John wick. Having seen the movie now, they lay in things long before that scene where it's like, he's not just a regular guy. They've already set up that he has a strange two way secure radio line through his stereo to talk to somebody. Yeah. They have a tattoo on his wrist that freaks somebody out that's never mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> wrist they, tattoos play um, large and it's like a secret theme they do. that everybody's stamped uh, in a yeah. very recognizable, traceable way. The, yeah. the guy who is uh, supposed to be dead, officially dead, and have the secret identity like has a very recognizable, apparently... <laughs> Easily right, spotted exactly. wrist tattoo, which completely that, reveals that his is, identity. Right, exactly. That just someone he's never met. It's very it, dangerous it, when, since we learned that tattoo parlors keep photographic records and home addresses of everyone to whom they give <laughs> tattoos. Right, exactly. So let me let me ask you this: um, Bob Odenkirk gives the movie everything it needs, and and to to a, to a pretty stellar degree. Um. I'm fine with jettisoning any sort of bait and switch surprise. The only thing that I wonder if they shouldn't have done, and I wonder, tell me if you, if you agree, as, is the opening credit sequence. As cool as that was, and, and kind of you know setting a nice tone and kind of looking, it's basically just looking over. With the, the montage or what before that? Yeah, the montage of, uh, at the very beginning. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No, 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 no. Of it's 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 all yeah. The first thing you see is him is the flash forward of him in the oh uh, interrogation. Oh yeah, room. yeah, yeah. 
it's just lingering over his cuts and bruises, and he brings the kitty cat out, which was a surprise, I have to admit, and the cat food. Uh, and then the first line of dialogue is my uh, partner's uh, uh, absolute worst, most hated line in any movie is, is who, are, who are you? Or in this case, who the fuck are you? Which weirdly, when we watched it, I watched it a second time with her, and she said, oh, it was actually appropriate here. <laughs> which I was surprised. Uh, it was an interrogation, her, and they don't know who he is. It was interrogation. But um, I wonder if that scene helped or hurt, and I don't know because I kind of felt like you were, it was setting up saying, no, this guy, like the first time you see him, you're like, let's establish him as a badass so that when it's revealed he's a badass, it's not going to be discordant. And I'm like, well, kind of what we wanted was the discord, I thought. Um, I didn't ultimately mind it. I was just kind of surprised uh, when I saw it. Because what was your feelings on that? Well, you're, you're way ahead of where I am on this movie. I don't, I don't see it as, uh, so it's the same screenwriter as as John Wick, Derek Kolstad, right. right? And it hits a lot of the same beats. There's a cute pet. There's a Russian uh, mob-connected nightclub owner with a son. There's uh, gold bars. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the hero visits his cash store and burns it. Like, it's like... Man, yeah. uh, this is really yeah. The car chase. We have the warehouse showdown. It's right. like man, like the fast car, the, he, everything. The, was he trying to just like I, rehash all this intentionally, or does he just not have any other ideas? Like it was kind of once he like right. burned the money. I'm like really like weird. Yeah, it is. It's weird because they're not doing an overt parody or anything. So it's just kind of like it literally is almost just John Wick light with. Bob Odenkirk instead of Keanu Reeves. That's really almost all that it is in, in one sense. Um, I would say, however, I mean, what, uh, nobody doesn't do any of the world building that John Wick did. I mean, John Wick went for this um, kind of operatic fantasy, kind of uh, operatic tone of a tortured soul responding to transgressions in kind. And then they create this kind of whole like like uh, fantasy underworld where everyone pays with coins and stuff. And then this movie doesn't do that really, but it's got the barber guy and then the idea of the auditor. Right. But that's it. Yeah. Like you're right. It's like very, but that's it. That's focused. it. That's it's, it's yeah. more, it's, yeah, it's more almost espionage or government CIA stuff than secret society. Yeah. Right. But they, um, John wick achieves a tone that I think is, almost impossible like i don't know how they did it for better or worse the things that happened in that movie um the tone of it is at once hilarious but also incredibly sincere and moving and, and powerful but yet also you take delight in the fact that he's doing this because my dead wife sent me a dog <laughs> and they killed him but also there's a power to it and this movie doesn't do that, but I almost feel like it's almost a little more creative despite being incredibly derivative of John Wick in the way that it handles. I mean, it gets at a lot of like family man stuff while also putting literally no interest in his family. Yeah, that's you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that there were female henchmen. I thought that was actually pretty great. Um, and the, the few of them had a couple of moments, 
but all the women in this movie do feel like NPCs and that's yep. not good. Yep. They really did. And so I, I think it was probably there to kind of keep the fun up. But when the motivating factor is kind of him wrestling with who he is and what he's taken on that he still wants to protect, it kind of, it gets, it gets a bit muddled. <laughs> like, they, they, they cue a lot for Death Wish in the beginning. And Death Wish, part of my I Watched It All by Myself series that should be coming up soon. Death Wish, while reveling in the loss of the purity of the uncivilized world, is about how the guilt of male impotence opts for a blanket fundamentalism as a coping mechanism. And how culture and institutions around it co-opt it and squash it for their own purposes. Now, nobody, while trafficking in the clothing of both Death Wish and John Wick and so on, is actually at its core, I think, I actually think more akin to Odenkirk's alma mater of Breaking Bad, focusing heavily on the reactualization of self, the guise we wear to acquire what we want, what we feel we need, only to realize the denial of our true self can deteriorate even the things that we love. Though here, the impotence is only a red herring, as we realize that Hutch is less concerned about his fragile male ego like you know, Walter White was, that then he is about the damage his reasoned, calculated decisions made under the mask of deception caused to that which he loves. In theory, unlike Death Wish, the refusal of violence in the home invasion scene, where he refuses to attack the woman with the empty gun, was actually the actions of the real fully engaged Hutch, the super spy Hutch. He'd assess the situation, desperate kids, unloaded weapon, escalating tension, and he knew the best thing to do was to de-escalate with a controlled capitulation. The damage that did to his family, however, in their, in their lack of confidence in him as having their best interests at heart is what gnaws at him. And the inciting incident of nobody is not the home invasion, but, but rather the perceived theft of his daughter's kitty cat bracelet as they stole from the one person in his house that still believed in him. It's too much to bear. And from the trailers, you can expect that Hutch goes to work after that kitty cat bracelet. And is, that's the old Hutch, the real Hutch, the John Wick unleashed Hutch. But the movie reveals that the Hutch that storms out of that house is the family man, the dad, the Hutch who wears the mask. That Hutch uses the old Hutch's life and skills to do what dads do, fix what's broke, find what's lost. And it's that dad, not the auditor Hutch that steps over the line to kick the movie off. Uh, and so like, I'm not buying it. You're not buying it. Nope. I'm not <laughs> buying it. Uh, no, I, I'm going to refute that uh, specifically. Okay. okay. All right. So watching this movie again, I didn't watch the second half of the trailer. So I walked in pretty cold <laughs> thinking this is like a normal guy who snaps movie. Right. So I had that right. I had that coming in. Um, I did know that I did know that the same guy wrote John Wick, which I've only seen in the last few months. I haven't seen John Wick two or three. I haven't seen the Death Wish movies, but um, but I'm really surprised that people are calling this a revenge movie. Oh I, no! I think this is a revenge movie just as much as Falling Down is a revenge movie, and that it isn't. <laughs> so what? So so the movie starts. 
you know, we have the opening montage, like, okay, he's, he's bored by his job. He's in, stuck in this routine. He's humiliated constantly, uh, depressed and home invasion happens, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. hit, he doesn't hit her with the golf club and immediately like every man in his life is just like looks down on him right to, to a ridiculous his wife degree. doesn't his wife already didn't respect him right his wife already right. didn't respect him they already had the pillow wall right <laughs> which was like, a bit extreme the only thing she says to him is you missed the garbage again you missed the garbage right. again right kid doesn't look at him when he walks in that's all established in the montage right the the breaking doesn't change that that's already that's already there right that's part of his life now, like the new thing, and maybe this was already there, like with Michael Ironside. Okay, love seeing Michael Ironside. Oh, yeah, I did Again. too. Uh, didn't even recognize him. Really more alive in performance than I've seen him in forever. Uh, he's great. Good to see him with both of his arms Sorry. after Starship Troopers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so home invasion happens. His, his kid doesn't, he's like, what the hell, dad, right? But then, like, the cop is like, he didn't even try. The neighbor's like, oh, I wish, I wish they would have tried it on me. Ooh, 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 right? <laughs> Those were so ridiculous. Right? Goes so to work. Top, yeah. Like, now we get the brother-in-law saying it. Now we get the father-in-law saying it. It's, like, poured on. Like, men do mm-hmm. not see him as a real man, right? Right. And he, when he's handed the gun, he's like, this gun's bullshit and sticks it in the freezer. And I think, oh, right. this is a story about a guy who is rejecting this notion of what a man should be, right? That mm-hmm. that you have to, that there's only one way for a man to be and it has to be this tough guy who just takes anyone. He's already, he's rejecting that and he's like gonna find an alternate path, right? Right. And then he goes on the kitty cat bracelet thing happens and he goes out and he's like, like okay well no he's gonna do something else he finds he tracks him down apartment smacks the couple around right he knows they're desperate he said that when he's talking through the radio the the right. wi-fi to the rizza is that how we say his name yeah and so when he finds them they they do still seem desperate you know his he thought his life was miserable we see their apartment they're like living in a garden apartment you know that they're obviously renting low mm-hmm. rent place their kid has a respirator. They have a baby with a respirator. I thought it was a really, really good choice. So we, we get a sense of just like why they're desperate, right? Yeah. And so he leaves and it's like, okay, yeah, we're on this track where he's rejecting, like that's not, he's rejecting the revenge narrative and he's going to do something else. But then we get the bus scene, right? And here's where, right. like the revenge story is over. At this point, yeah, it's over. Right? 25 over. minutes into the movie, whatever, wherever we are. When he gets on the bus, though, and he, we get the voiceover, which feels very pasted on. Yeah, the voiceovers I did not like, yeah. Like the test audience didn't understand why this fight was happening in the movie. Like, does he think that they're connected? Are they connected to the house robbers? Like, what's going on? So they had to explain it in the voiceover. But in the voiceover, he explains, like, no, he didn't get his revenge but he's now he's just spoiling for a fight. Like now he just wants to vent his rage, right? right? He's hoping they come on the bus. He's not, right. he's not doing this to protect this girl, which is what all the plot. Oh no. All the plot summaries say like all the, yeah, no, all the he, synopses he say like, he, no, he, he just wants to kick their asses because he thinks they're assholes. Right. 
or he just wants to fight right. people, right? Or something. And so that makes him just like the neighbor who <laughs> we right. he both, you know, both his reaction and I thought the 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 movie, the way he was shot was like criticizing that guy as, yeah, as yeah. wanting to invite this violence. And that's exactly what Bob Odenkirk is doing here, right? So let me get this bus fight, which is pretty entertaining. You know, it goes on a long time, but I, yeah. I liked it a lot. I like seeing skinny guys take on bigger guys and beat them up. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Right. Without even super strength. No radioactive spiders involved. And then when he goes home and we get this very strange scene, which is one of the. This really strange. It really it really set up expectations that then later other scenes were like, what? I thought she knew. I think the weirdest. <laughs> right. right. I think the weirdest. Well, no, I think she did know. Well, she he said like they cut to like the sh the shot of her her stitching up his sides yeah. the first Rough thing night, we see like, yeah, and he he says it's just like old times yeah it's a voiceover it's like been thrown in like it, to clarify that it's just like old times so you're like oh so she knows that he he's like this other guy that he's pretending not to be yeah. but then later it, when they're in the garage and they're trying to get out of town, she's like, you got to tell me what's going on. Why? What's happening? Who are you? Well, know, he like, thought he was out of wait. the life and he's apparently back in. Oh, I guess so. You yeah. know, who are these people yeah. coming to our house? Like she wants to know that. Right. You know? <clears throat> um, that's a weird scene because she comes home. She's like, I couldn't sleep. So I put on my turtleneck sweater again. <laughs> Usually when you say you couldn't sleep, you look like you were trying to sleep, but she's still fully dressed, <laughs> drinking wine. Hey, I, 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 can't, uh, I can't criticize that. I, I fall asleep in my clothes all the time. So I'm so damn tired. And then again, he takes, his, he takes his shirt off and is like, well, I expected him to look like somebody who could take on four bigger guys under his shirt. But uh, no, he's maybe a radioactive spider did bite him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the super glue. I've had cut super glued. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> I'm down with the super glue. And so then, like, now his family is respecting him. Like, his son is like, hey, dad got, got in a fight. Like, his wife takes down the pillow wall and puts her hand on his shoulder. <laughs> like, he gets a little, oh. he gets a little shoulder touching. A little, yeah. A nighttime feely. Up on the I was really it, I thought if they have sex right now I'm gonna be really mad and I, so I'm glad that's all they did but I was gonna I was like you can't do that no she still doesn't have a facial expression towards him no no I don't think she has one the entire movie <laughs> she doesn't. But, but now I'm like okay this is gonna be like another round where he thinks the violence this is like right. fight club right. where fighting is alcohol in another round and where he thinks this is what's going to fix his family. And then it's all going to fall apart because this isn't sustainable. And like, nope, the movie just like takes a right turn into <laughs> Nope. Christopher Lloyd, like Papa loves you now. And finally <laughs> you put a smile on dad's face for the first time in decades, because this is the way to live baby. And there's no other And like, holy shit. Like that is not where, I thought this was going to be an interesting movie and it turned out to be a decent action flick, but like not one that really had anything to say in the end, Yeah, you know, well, it did have you something see, to say. Okay, so, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll contrast it. And I think it has like the op polar opposite message of John wick in the end, actually. 
Oh, that's fascinating. I want to hear more about that. But this is a case where you, where you say, where I think doing what would normally be the right thing of avoiding the trailer and avoiding the everything actually set up false expectations that would have not been there had you seen the rest of the trailer and gone, oh, this is just supposed to be silly fun. And that's it. I wasn't expecting a good movie. I was expecting just silly fun. I guess I should have. I guess I should. You know, I see Bob and Kirk and I just expect, you know, like something more. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, I understand that. Um, but I saw two. I saw the starts of two other movies that I wish I'd seen instead. Yeah. It's funny how in John Wick, the inciting incident is that the son comes to him and wants his car. Right. Yeah. And then and then breaks into his house and kills his dog to, to, to get it. The, but it's flipped in Nobody because in that in this one the inciting incident is he runs into the Russian mobster's little brother, aka son, uh, and he just wants to beat him up. <laughs> like like it's it's Odenkirk invading their house in a way. It's not John Wick taking righteous revenge for what they took from him. It was literally Bob just trying to say I gotta I have to I have to once again use the parts of me that are strong I think I I think the inciting incident is other men questioning his manhood I think that's what the movie's about so I would I would hit, really dislike this movie more if that's what it was kind of focusing on and then kind of went the way it did um, and it actually, I, I was kind of stunned that in uh, the, our current time right now, with all the real life gun violence that we're seeing and being sickened by every day, that I actually just enjoyed this movie. <laughs> well, how's that different? It was weird. Why, why, why would this be the movie be different from any other action movie, though? True. Um, and I was also sickened by, before I saw the movie on Letterboxd, nobody has shown some reviews, and there was this one short review. I don't know who posted it, but it really made me ill because in just thinking, and it makes me ill now even thinking about it because this guy, this guy said, my dad leaned over to me while watching this movie and said, this is my Black Panther. Oh, 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 that makes me, that makes me really ill. That is like a white, <laughs> um, that's a white thing now is to say this is my Black Panther, which yeah. is kind of gross. It's very gross. It's like no, you. The world was your Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, every every Before movie you... was your Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the idea. <clears throat> and so the movie definitely is tapping into the issues of masculinity. What it's saying about it, I'm I'm a little more confused about because I actually think Odenkirk as, or shall I say, uh, Hutch. Why is he named Hutch? I know why he's the Mansell. That makes sense. That's a little on the nose. But I I don't know why he's named Hutch. Maybe we can talk about that. But Hutch. It just sounds like a manly name, even though it's a piece of kitchen furniture. Right, exactly. Hutch knows what he's capable of at all moments. He never doubts himself, right? But what he does see is the the constant uh, framing of, which is weird, that his wife would frame him that way if she knows what his life used to be. That's why I think she doesn't. And honestly, if, if, she, if she didn't know what his life was, and he did go in and try to, try to beat these home invaders up, 
while her son was being held down on the floor. I don't know. I think in in my experience, in my experience, um, I would think the wife would also be upset if you did go in there to try to do because no, you'll mess it up. <laughs> you'll get him killed. I think she absolutely knows what his life was, and she's lost respect for him because he stopped being that. I think that's the story of the movie. Right. That's what the last scene is when they're looking at the new house. It's that, like, that's true. Oh, you're, that's you're true. back. She's not. She's not upset at him that he's. She's not even upset at him that he's brought armed thugs to their home. She just wants to know what's right. why. She just wants to know why. Right. Which you is, know is valid, but yeah. But like, but then she's like, "Oh, does this house have a basement? Because I want some more of that thugs invading my home action because." <laughs> Me likey. It was weird because it was like the basement is just set to blow up if you it's set to burn down. That's the only thing about the basement. That's my favorite detail of the movie. Is that oh yeah. That he's got a special record that he uses. I mean it's a funny scene where he sets them up after he's beat them yeah. all up and he's kept most of them alive. You're just enough alive to yeah. give them a little <laughs> talking to. That's a that's a funny scene. And then he's got a special record that is just designed to burn down. Although I would have done like burning down the house, talking heads. It doesn't fit. <laughs> like he, they were doing kind of like a a, a right. normcore kind of soundtrack joke. Like he's a suburb guy yeah. who wears khakis, and so we're gonna play normcore music. Um, but I thought, you know, talking heads, uh, burning down the house. It's like track four, I think on the album. And so it gives you time to get out of the basement, out of the house. Like start yeah. putting, <laughs> just start playing it on track one. You get the track four, then the fire starts. You're it clear of the immediate. smoke. You're not going to inhale it <laughs> as you're coming up dramatically up the stairs. Anyway. Also, that is if you're, you know, if, if your kid puts that on thinking, oh, what's this? <laughs> Um, yeah, track four would give you some time to go. No, that's right. You'd want it like you want a really <laughs> shitty album like Metal Machine yeah, Music yeah. by Lou Reed or something that nobody would ever listen to <laughs> all the way through, right? Shout out to Lou Reed fans. Uh, Neil Young's uh, uh, Arc, you know, something that's just like noise, guitar noise for forty-five fucking minutes. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. It's interesting how like I I despised Wanted and it's like like self-actualization to to be murderous whereas in this one i i didn't mind it i i i wasn't oh. i wasn't plussed by it i want to know why like, you didn't mind it because i thought it was kind of rotten <laughs> i well because i i didn't see it as it well, you're right it's not a revenge story because i was looking at it from i didn't see him simmering with rage because everyone was thinking he was weak and small I thought Hutch could handle that. What he was simmering with rage with, in my opinion, the way I read it, was the way I watched it, I guess you could say, (laughs) was that um, he had skills that he could use to normally had fixed all these problems. Or fixed, I don't know if fixed is the right word, eliminated all these problems. Um, But in the um, the guys that he's using, he knows he can't do that. He has to be more calculated in a different way. And so, actually, the the, the calculation he makes in the first home invasion uh, of not attacking them is the smart, right thing to do. And the smart, right thing to do is always looked down upon as weak. And so, 
And then he's like, oh, now my family hates me because I did the smart, right thing. Um, and I got to somehow get above that. And then when the kitty cat brace, the one, one person who wasn't upset with him, his daughter, gets something stolen. That's when the dad is like, you know what? I'm going to do this the way the old me knows how to do this and rushes out to break all his laws that he set for himself. And then when he realizes it's much more complicated than that, you know, there's, there's socioeconomic and everyone's got their own uh, troubles and their own uh, uh, disasters they have to, to contend with. It's so much more complicated. And then so on the way home, that's when he's just like, I just want something that I can use the skills I have on. And then these assholes present themselves. And he's like, please, please give me a reason. Which that is the thing that that's. That's the thing I love to make fun of in men. That's the thing I want to target as the problem. And yet the movie doesn't target that as the problem. And somehow I still enjoy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I don't know how this movie seduced me into not minding that part. Because Bob Odenkirk's really good. Because Bob Odenkirk's really good. And I didn't know I wanted to see a home alone style action warehouse shootout with Bob Odenkirk, Christopher Lloyd and the RZA fighting a bunch of NPC Goombas. <laughs> I liked, um, I liked the blast shield. I didn't know I wanted that. I liked I the last, the last, uh, gimmick with the blast shield and the, the, yeah. is that a claymore? And we were, we were kids. We called those claymores. I have no idea yeah. if that's the right name for it. I don't know. The, the the guy that played the Russian mobster apparently is like a huge Russian superstar. This is his, um, looking at his credits, it appears to be his first American movie. It is, it is. Because the, the guy who directed this movie had previously directed Hardcore Henry, which I didn't see. I haven't seen that either. First person shooters give me motion sickness. There's no way that movie won't give me motion sickness, so I'm not going <laughs> to exactly, watch it. Exactly, exactly. I thought that guy, they needed to have more fun with that character. We see him dance and do right. karaoke. Like I need to see more of that. I need to see a little more like you and McGregor right. and Birds of Prey. Like this guy needs yeah, to be more yeah. of a personality. He, he really wasn't. He had a couple of great lines, but as a as it goes, the part doesn't have anything for him to do that we haven't already. He's just filling a role. The, John Wick, by contrast, has something I've never seen in a movie ever, and I love that they kind of mess up in the end. But I love it in John Wick that the the moment you meet the main villain, uh, Tar Tarasov, or I think the 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 mobster, the yeah Tarasov. The the moment you meet him, is the moment he learns his son has killed John Wick's dog and stole his car, and you meet him realizing that he's lost. He realizes like, he's lost. Yeah. He realizes we're we're all dead. Yeah. My my son has killed us all. And the rest of the movie is him just going through the motions of staying alive when he knows he's going to lose. I've never seen that in a villain ever. And I thought, I thought it was pretty great. <laughs> this guy doesn't have anything like that at all. He's, yeah, he's got like these quirks and stuff, but he doesn't have, um, doesn't have much meat to chew on. So, so let's get back to John Wick. Okay. Yes. So what's John Wick about? John Wick's about John Wick's like he's got all the stylized violence and you know there, there's beauty in action sequences and in the choreography yeah. of it and that's why we watch 
people shoot people on screen when we would never want to even have a gun in our home, you and me, right? Like it's a, it's a different yeah. thing, right? Okay. If it were up to me, I'd say guns exist in the movies and that's it. Sure. That's what I tell my <laughs> kids. Like, yes, guns are cool. And that's why I have Nerf guns, right? Because Nerf guns are cool enough, right? Okay. John Wick is about a world where beauty, love, trust, safe haven are like these precious things that once you find them, they're rare and precious things that once you find them, you hold on to them with everything you've got. Right. Right. And the world is because the world is such a nasty place and the world will take those things away from you. Right. And having lost them, you become ugly like the world does. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm thinking I'm back. Like I'm just going to, plunge headfirst into the ugliness because I've lost everything, right? You know, fuck all this, fuck all this shit and fuck all of you. So I'm just going to shoot you all in the head right now, right? (laughs) And that's what that movie is. And then he finds a puppy at the end and he's like, oh, I've I've regained love, right? I even lost the safe haven of this special hotel where you're supposed to be safe. But I found this puppy and now I can love again, right? Like that's what that movie is. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you know what the original title for John Wick was? It wasn't called John Wick originally. You know what it was called? Scorn. This gives a lot of insight. No, it was called The Boogeyman. Uh, I read it was called Scorn. I just read that today. Oh, yeah? Really? Huh, because it was, I had read a long time ago, it was called The Boogeyman because John Wick is the boogeyman. And this movie is you pissing off the boogeyman. (laughs) And the boogeyman uh, exacting his vengeance on you. And we're seeing it from the perspective of the boogeyman. So you've taken the one you've taken the one good thing from the boogeyman. And now he's just gonna lay, he just lays waste and you just watch him lay waste everything. But I like your take on it. I mean I like your you you correctly assessed that's what that is. I watched it but right. But it, it does feed into that it, 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 it does feed into that a reason given kind of mentality. You know, that that, that weird fantasy that like Man, if I didn't care about anything, I would lay waste to everybody, you know? And like that kind of apocalyptic, wipe the slate clean kind of fantasy that weird, weirdly a lot of men have. That kind of like, I kind of wish I didn't care about anything, <laughs> which is really scary to me. Well, which is why people love the Joker and uh, the Heath Ledger exactly, Joker, yeah. right? Um, and relate to him more than... The Christian Bell Batman, although Batman. that's got a lot to do with how Batman is portrayed in that movie. Okay, anyway, I'm not going to talk about Christopher Nolan. We had our obligatory, <laughs> we had our obligatory dig on Christopher Nolan this episode. I'm not bringing it. up Godzilla if, check, that, if that helps. Check the box. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, in contrast, nobody is about like the what the beauty is in laying waste. I think that's exactly yeah. what this movie is about, right? Exactly. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he overcorrected. Like I, the, the family life actually wasn't the right choice. Like I belonged in the violence all along. That's where, right. <laughs> that's where life is experienced, right? That's where I find joy, right? right? That's where joy is possible, right? For him. You know, because yeah, why did he want, why did he want to buy before this whole thing went down? I know why he bought the factory eventually because he went, I need a place to take all these people out where no one gets hurt. Yeah. I get that part. <laughs> Wait, 
but I don't you're know gonna why buy my he wanted to... Son-in-law is going to buy my factory now with a duffel bag full of gold bars. No questions asked. I have no questions. <laughs> he just punched my other son. No questions. I don't care. It was a great stomach punch, though. It was a very satisfying stomach punch. Uh, and maybe all too quick. Too, too emotionally ready was that guy to go, what am I going to do? Too emotionally, too too emotionally nuanced, but I did really love uh, his delivery. Uh, on. But that's the moment. But Michael Ironside's reaction is yeah. the moment that cinches what this movie's all about. Yeah. Right. Like the fact that he's like impressed that Bob Odenkirk punched his son in the gut. Like, hey. Right. Okay, that's the correct reaction. Right. 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 Approvals given. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Like, this, Deal. Shut up, hurt son. So, so this movie could be, so nobody could be about like finding your potential, like doing the thing you should be doing. You should have been doing all along, but it, it wouldn't, it's not the same as if like he picked up his guitar again and took up music, right? Like he'd given right, up, right. you know, it's this very strange movie. It's this very strange fantasy fulfillment, like wish fulfillment movie where mm -hmm. in the opening montage like you're invited to sympathize with this guy we've all we all can relate to this guy you know we all, all right. felt this way and don't you wish instead of like don't you wish like you could just not give a shit and beat the shit out of these guys four guys on this bus because they're being assholes is don't you wish that you already had 12 years of experience as a cia assassin <laughs> It's not it's not it's not a fantasy if no no like don't you wish like the last 12 years of your life were actually a different 12 years and you didn't get to live those but now you got to live the yeah. next year as if you had those past 12 years like that's a weird well i guess that's a weird i guess it's fantasy. a fantasy i guess it's a fantasy for people who feel that they didn't like like to say oh i wish i could just punch these guys but then they're like oh I would get creamed because I don't have any thing. The fantasy is to say, oh, but if I was this retired CIA assassin, then I could, right? I'm not saying this is a good fantasy. Then I could win back my wife's respect, you know, it's like right? because she expect, respected me for being an assassin. It's such a weird right. fucking. I just don't it's think it really works weird. as a. As, I don't. I don't think it works as wish fulfillment fantasy. Like narratively, I just don't think it works. No, no, it doesn't, and and I don't think it should, um, because what it has to say is um, on that level is not is not palatable. <laughs> but that's why yeah, the whole scene it it really gets it really gets skeezy when Christopher Lloyd is saying, "Oh, this is the way I miss this. This is the way." It's like, oh, you almost wish you missed almost getting your head blown off every two seconds. I know. It's like, it it, it it's it's just that there's no he's not doing this to protect his family because right because because bringing this on his family was the right choice like that was that's never even a question yeah you know right. exactly like it's it's unquestionably the right thing for him to do is to put his family in this peril according to this right. movie you know it's it's a weird deal yeah. and so what this movie isn't yeah, about thing he could I, I think that's what this movie is really about is all these men who looked down on him after the home invasion. Right. right. Who said like, I wish I could have taken them on, you know, you, here's this gun, you know, you should protect yourself. It's not that these guys 
are right. And so he decides to be like them. He was already like them. Right. And he was like Clark Kent. But he was human in the movie's language. He was better than them because he actually had 12 years of assassin training. Exactly. They're fucking phonies. And I'm the real deal. I'm the real deal. And you guys think that I'm a nobody. Right. It's, it's not that, it, that's like that's the lesson of the movie is all these guys who act alpha aren't alpha it's all hollow it's all a front and real living like to like the self-actualization is actually being that alpha <laughs> right <laughs> is actually inviting violence into your life <laughs> embracing it and then conquering it right right going into the club with the claymore when you don't have to right like getting pissed off when you're in the car chase that you use the car that you stole because this car belongs to you, not to that phony next door who says he would like to fight when you right. kick his ass. Like you're the, and I'll, I'll choose, I'll choose to sit on broken glass rather than use the, the keys of the dead guy's Mercedes. I'll sit on broken glass. <laughs> yes. I'm alpha. Just so this to... car belongs to me. Cause it's a seventies muscle right. car. Right. Right. So this is my right. car now. No consequences for that. And now I'm going to initiate this car chase and get pissed off when the bus stops them from pursuing me. Right. And then smile when I get them all to chase me because this is, I should be courting violence, initiating it and then finishing it. Yeah. And like, that's the only real way to live. He's the one that's doing that. He's the one that's doing that. Yeah. Almost. In every scene, except for when they actually come to his home. And, you know, and anybody who's not doing that is either a phony or they're dead inside or something. Right. right? And there's like, it, it really presents no alternative. It, it, yeah, exactly. It would have been nice if this movie had presented like other people coming into their own that wasn't violence. Because really, Hollywood has a really uh, tragically warped view of what assertion and... Um, self-actualization and mixing with aggression, right? They've always seen like aggression and violence as being, that's what being a man is rather than just literally taking action and, and uh, uh, standing up for what you know is right has been conflated with just violence and aggression. And so they've always, it's always, even in like, like kids' comedies, like the pacifier or all these like things, they, they, they conflate those so much to such a degree that it's, it's, I think it's truly damaging. So again, <laughs> why maybe it's just because I go, I'm, I went into this movie just going, it's going to be Bob Odenkirk kicking ass. And that's all I'm going to expect. And that's <laughs> all I'm going to want. Anything else will be gravy. And that's why I guess maybe that's why it didn't, didn't bother me. Yeah. On the that, surface um, level, it was, I liked a lot of it. You know, it was fun. It was fun seeing Christopher Lloyd be in an ornery old coot with a shotgun. I mean, that was fun to see. You know, I love Which, Chris- by the way, uh, Bob Odenkirk said that Christopher Lloyd told him this was the first time in his entire career that he's had a gun in a movie. He's never crazy. Held a gun. It's crazy to think that. And uh, even crazier that we think it's crazy to think that. <laughs> But he's never held one. And in Clue, and so like it could have been all that just shuffle the box. You know what? That's wrong. He did. He did hold. He held it because he professor. That's Tom right. He has the, it when the lights go out. He has. Well, he held it. 
Because it was gifted to him, or did he get yeah. the fight? No, he gets a gun. No, he like, gets the gun. Somebody tried to grab it out of my hand. No, I just watched this like a week ago. He's never fired any, I think. Yeah, he's never fired any. Okay. Gun. I think that's what it was. And so that way he's had like, that's why he had like, he himself put all these shotguns around his neck. And they were like, dude, I think that's a lot. Of, you, that's, a, that's a lot to carry. Do you want to take some of off? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want all these. <laughs> I, uh... I, what I really wanted to see is when we're seeing angry domestic Bob Odenkirk is to see him mowing the lawn. <laughs> like in my, maybe my favorite Mr. Show sketch where he marries the guy. Which is very, it's about alpha males being fucking guys, you know? Fucking guys. Like, I marry your ass. He's and just like mowing the, the, mowing the lawn mow, and angry Cross mowing comes the lawn. out with just like him. Bob Odenkirk swearing. So the times I almost cracked and I thought he was going to crack is when he's like on the phone going, God damn it. Just because Bob Odenkirk yeah. swearing angrily is like just one of the funniest things. I don't know what it is, but like Bob Odenkirk does angry, like funnier than anybody else on the planet. Yeah, he really does. And so like for just like to him to be able to turn that dial like 12 degrees. So like he still gets that intensity without being funny. Yeah. It just like shows like what a nuanced performer he really is. But when I there's twice where he just like swears loudly, I'm like, ah, Mr. Show. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean I, I, I think I think I think everything is is a testament to Bob Odenkirk because the movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for a Bob Odenkirk actioner. That's it's that's it. If it if it started anybody else, it would be so, nothing. It's the only reason I watched it, honestly. Yeah. If it was put anyone else in that trailer, and I'm like, eh, pass. You know. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Yeah. You know, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Pass. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Um, One other thing. Uh, for some reason, this is the episode of Mash. I feel like I've seen over and over again, and maybe it's just because. I saw it as a kid and it impressed itself on me so heavily. But there's an episode where Radar has to, is like stuck with somebody, like an injured soldier, and Radar's not a doctor. On, I don't know what his job is at the mm -hmm. camp. Um, but his he has to perform a surgery over, like talking him through it over the walkie-talkie or over the radio. And he has to, guy can't breathe, he has to cut a hole in his throat and stick a straw in so that he can breathe mm -hmm. and so it's like my most vivid memory from mash other than the chicken on the bus in the final episode and so that was uh just like a weird moment for me on on the bus and nobody i'm like oh that mash episode hadn't thought about that in a long time <laughs> why don't we see straws and throats like all the time like i didn't watch a lot of medical dramas like maybe that's a very common thing can we like, I should just keep straws in my pocket just in case. I know they're supposed to be bad for, like, seagulls and stuff, but. Yeah, are these metal straws going to be a problem with that? Are the paper straws they're just going to collapse under the. Paper straws, like the Orangeburg tile in, that we have out here in Ann Arbor, where during the <laughs> post-war period when there was still an iron shortage in the sewer lines, they didn't have enough iron for your waistline to connect to the sewer system. So they used Orangeburg tile, which is just basically thick cardboard coated in tar. <laughs> and like 
that that's what most of the houses out here had like connecting your your waste system to the sewer <laughs> and guess what like over half a century cardboard that's coated in tar doesn't really hold up and it tends to collapse and yeah what do you know cause backup that's kind of what they made like like water and sewer pipes in los angeles with pretty much it was like tar cardboard really okay and when and when those bust busted recently yeah i guess we should have replaced those out here they call it orangeburg tile like apparently it's a regional thing yeah. Well, this movie was like um, Orangeburg Tile for me. Is that it worked <laughs> in the moment? <laughs> it it worked on a surface you, level, yeah. but inside, I thought it was kind of shitty. I ha- I have to say, you're making me enjoy it less. Oh, so I'm thanks. sorry. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> telling you how I watched it. No, no, no. That's that. I'm just kidding. That's fine. Because um, yeah, you know, I I, I don't want to be oblivious to certain uh, also hypocrisies of my own taste. Um. I will say though that that the chair to the face in the hospital was beautiful. That was a great. Was that a CGI chair? Was it? How does I it, have no whatever idea. Whatever it was, like it was just like the timing and the precision of it was like perfect. It was perfect. Like some it of really those, was. some of those action beats, the execution was really great. Yeah, the, the there was a great uh, the trunk escape scene where he uh, brings uses the fire extinguisher to to cause the car to crash. I really enjoyed that. Although I couldn't tell, did he break his thumb and then continue to shoot guns throughout the whole rest of the movie? Or did he just he dislocated, just, like, dislocated it? I think he did like a, you know, lethal weapon kind of thing. Right. But they never see him put it back, which usually you get that. No, usually you get the, like, like that, um, that, that shows their dedication. It's like a, so, something troubled me and and this, it, it's consistent with, what this movie tends to do is um, the the whole, they spend a lot of time arguing with uh, one scene characters that the, about the black Russian thing of like, no, he's not just black. He's Russian. He's don't, you guys are racist. He's he, he, he is, he is a man. And then they never do anything really more with him other than just keep pointing out that he's a black Russian. Yeah. That's all they do with he, it. He dies in it's his like, very next scene as black characters tend to do. Yeah. To the, and then movies. our lead character, and then our lead character brings it up, and his dying words are, "I get this a lot." And you're like, "Yeah, that's all we got from this guy." Uh, having, but also, I did really enjoy the um, him going back to his house after that car wreck, and we get to have him walk through all the bodies from the previous fight scene. Yeah. We don't get to see that much. I, I liked that. This is kind of like this kind of, this is the mess that was left behind. You're all about the aftermath. Before, I am all about the aftermath. I really enjoyed that. Although I did think he went and took a shower before he let his family out of the basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wants to present, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, but you also you want to go like you want to like it's like putting the flour on your face after you bake you cook a big meal like oh look you look what I did for you. It's gonna be shocking enough. <laughs> they don't need to see dandruff like on top of everything. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Well, should we wrap That's up good. here? You think? Let's wrap it up. Hey, we're 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 this is good. We're 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 healing. We're progressing. We're becoming better people. We're hitting our time target. We said in uh, we 90 are. minutes and I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. Wait, okay. Well, have, have we said every have we said what we need to say about nobody? Is there anything left dangling? I got all my points. 
Oh. Would you recommend this movie? As long as you know what you're getting, yes. So watch the entire trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Don't worry. It's it's just watch the whole thing. Don't set up any false expectations and just let it play out. Maybe and this is all an argument fun. for actually watching the trailer and not insisting on being surprised by absolutely exactly. Everything. These days, it's maybe maybe that art is gone. Maybe that experience is gone. But I would say that um, this can lead to nobody being what it is and what we would expect from nobody and did not receive might plant the seeds for the next movie down the line to actually incorporate this experience into a better thematic resonance, right? And something more healthy. <laughs> I think that's possible. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't honestly have a lot of faith in, uh, Director Ilya Nyshuler, who's, I don't know if we said his name, um, as, a, as a storyteller. To be honest, to be honest. He's a great stylist. I don't, I don't think much of him as a storyteller from, he, from this movie. I think he's going to be one of many. I mean, I mean he, he, he at least can, can create scenes that get you in a certain mind space. Yeah. Or, or, or emotional mind space. It's not completely dead. He, he certainly... Um, was able to capture a certain feeling very well. He just kind of abandoned it for, well, no, I don't know. To, to, to me, it feels like he abandoned it for just straight action in the end. But this might have been what he wanted to say. I, I, I honestly don't know if he knew what he was saying. Like, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't I get a know. sense of that kind of I would hope so. storytelling from it. I, I, I would actually prefer if he didn't. <laughs> that is what he wanted to say. That might not be so great. Well, let us know what you thought was great and what wasn't great about you, about nobody, uh, by emailing us at you watched it wrong at happypanic.net. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're also on Twitter. You can tweet us at you with the letter U, watched it wrong, or our Facebook page, which doesn't have the character limit, and so it's all spelled out correctly there. We're also on Letterboxd. That's probably where we're most active, actually. Yeah. Uh, putting our, keeping our movie diaries up to date and posting the occasional review. I'm Siggy Lama, two G's, two L's. And I'm Carney of Steel. And if you're wondering why those two burglars broke back into the house to return the kitty cat necklace and hide it under the couch, you watched it wrong.